Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. Oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I'm your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and once again, welcome to what is going to be a fantastic show. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters. They're all available on Amazon, one through eight, in paperback and ebook. And if you're an audio file, audio file, you could also get volumes one through six at Audible. And if you're into a little creep, check out my new series, The Exorcists, available also paperback and ebook at Amazon. You have three volumes: Truth and Lies, Diabolica, and Full Moon. Ow! <laughs> <laughs> And now, may I introduce you to my brother, Kevin. Kevin, how are you, bro? I'm good. How about you, Bill? Pretty good, pretty good. I was telling you it was a little humid up here today. Mm. But uh, count your blessings when I'm watching the Weather Channel and seeing these uh, storms rolling into the Gulf like uh, boxcars. It's a little bit uh, disheartening if you were living down there. (laughs) I'm telling you, this year of 2020, you can't make this stuff up, right? Two two hurricanes coming together to join forces. Yeah, one following the other. I mean, you don't even get a chance to recover. No, no. It's wow. Crazy. Yeah, it is crazy, man. But uh, anyways, on and on we go with the Bigfoot Cryptid Show. And how could you not be into creepy stuff, Bill, when you were <laughs> referring to your new books and listen to this podcast? You got to like right. a good creep show. <laughs> now, listen, if you live in Louisiana and you're battening down the hatches, this is a perfect time for a Rougarou <laughs> to come out of the swamp and get you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bill, it's too funny how uh, coincidental some of our interactions are. Like, you don't know what I'm talking about tonight. And you're you're howling, and you're talking about the Rougarou. Here we and, go. And tonight we're talking about the Lawton Wolfman. Nice, nice. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love the Wolfman. <laughs> <laughs> now, have you ever heard of this one, the Lawton Wolfman? Never, never. All right. Well, this is this is pretty good. Uh, it took place in the early 1970s, in 1971 to be specific. <clears throat> Excuse me, in a town called Lawton, Oklahoma, which is about halfway between Oklahoma City and then southwest, heading southwest from Oklahoma City, halfway between Oklahoma City and uh, Wichita Falls. Okay. And it turns out it's a pretty big city. I think it's the fourth largest city in Oklahoma or thereabouts. 
Okay. So not I a mean, tiny place. Yeah, so it's not a little hole in a wall out in the country. No, no. And uh, going back here to 1971, you had multiple accounts, multiple witnesses of what they called the Lawton Wolfman. Wow, what a creepy thing. Yeah, and what this is you in the about si- this? So, so, and I went back and started looking at, when I was looking at this story, I started looking at werewolves again, our good old friend, the Rougarou, right? Which is, as we remember, that comes out of the French word, which is man who transforms into wolf, right? So yeah, kind of a yeah. werewolf. And then I came into, again, this uh, term called lycanthrope. Have you heard that one? Yeah, that's another, like, uh, switch hitter type of phraseology, yeah, right? Yeah, it's a werewolf, basically. Like, the term werewolf means or, or brings with it the meaning that you change into the werewolf under the full moon. Okay. So kind of the classic werewolf. But uh, a lycanthrope or a lichen, or short for that, is uh, someone that can turn a man that can transform into a wolf at any point in time. So it has nothing to do with the full moon. Yeah, interesting. And because, you know, the old full moon thing really, I think that was a Hollywood phenomenon. Would you agree? Yeah, but, you know, they talk about it going all the way back. You know, remember this stuff, these werewolves and lycanthropes and that go back uh, in uh, written history to 60 A.D. Wow. So, you know, this creep factor has been around. Yeah, and it stayed the course. It makes you wonder if there isn't some truth to it, that it had uh, bones to withstand that amount of time. Exactly, exactly. Wow, that's interesting, you know? Yep, yep. So, you know, even like the Hollywood monster Frankenstein, uh, shows we used to watch, right? The Mummy, Frankenstein, Dracula. You don't even hear kids talking about that anymore. They don't even, they can't really relate to those movies at all. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, I mean it's weird. Yeah. I mean that was all that was all we talked about, you know. I mean when you said creep, remember Monster Magazine? Oh yeah, yeah. I don't even know if that's still out there, but always the cover shot was, you know, Dracula, the creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh wolf, yeah, we used wolf to man. we used to build the models too. Remember those little glow in the dark models? Yeah, I think I think Ravel made them, and Ravel still makes plane models oh, and stuff, yeah. right? They sure do. Oh no, you know who made them, Kev? Monogram. Oh, Monogram. They became Ravel, though. Oh, they did. Okay. Yeah, they merged or one acquired the other. Wow. But so yeah, those little glow in the dark fangs and glow in the dark <laughs> hands and stuff. Yeah, and you would hold a flashlight on it for a little while to get it juiced up and then turn the lights out. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead, man. Yeah, I don't yeah. know how so, we... so Lawton, Oklahoma. So it's interesting, too. These sightings occurred in the middle of the winter. So the first one is February 27th, 1971, which is kind of mm. interesting that you got this uh, wolf man running around outside uh, in the freezing cold winter of Oklahoma. Yeah, and, you know, Oklahoma has a pretty severe winter, no? They do, yeah. Chilly. Yeah, you know, I, yeah if you don't know your way around the United States, you wonder, I, I could see why a lot of people would think of Oklahoma as like, you know, desert cowboy country, you know? Yeah. But uh, it's not the case, you kinda know? Kind of the arid plains, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, you know. Yeah. Cool. So, so um, 
back then, on February 27, 1971, the police department there in Lawton, Oklahoma, received several reports of some sort of creature that was running around in the streets, hiding behind bushes, and dodging cars coming down the road. Yeah. You know, and uh, let me tell you something, uh, not to get sidetracked. Of course, we're talking about a wolf-like man, mm-hmm. uh, which automatically brings me over to dog man. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a number of encounters, which, like everything else, we'll get to over time eventually, uh, where uh, dog men have uh, launched their bodies or pursued moving cars. Yeah. So that's a that's kind of a weird thing that something would chase a vehicle. No, and it is also a creature like some of the dogman encounters that appears, a lot of people see it, and then it's gone. Yeah, what's with that? You know, yeah. that's like the Mothman. Exactly. You know, it showed up for a while, a lot of people were seeing it, the bridge disaster. Yep. And then pff, nobody even talks about it anymore. Exactly. Except for the right. folks who live in that town in West Virginia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that, so this group of witnesses included a group of soldiers from a fort that's nearby called Fort Sill. Okay. And uh, this fort, by the way, is a pretty big army uh, fort up there in Fort Sill, Oklahoma, where they do a lot of artillery training. Yeah, but Kev, you know, a group of soldiers can't be telling the truth, can oh, they? Oh, no. Yeah, they're hoaxers. Yeah, yeah. Just kidding, guys. Thank you. Yeah, for your no, service. and they yeah. know we're kidding because the point I'm getting at is when people say, "Where's the evidence?" Uh, when do you start believing people? Yeah. So, you so know, get this: all these witnesses are calling in. One of the witnesses is a man who actually had a heart attack after he saw this creature trying to drink out of a fish pond in his front yard. Yeah, so the guy had a heart attack, and they came out to help him. Oh, my God. Yeah, and he says says that the pain ripped through. His name was Donald Childs. uh, Ripped through his chest uh, from the sheer terror of what he was seeing. Right, He's watching what he called a canine humanoid creature in his front yard, crouched down on his hands and knees, and was attempting to drink out of the fish pond. Gasping for air, it seemed as if he would become the first fatality of the Lawton werewolf panic. Unbelievable. You know, fortunately, again, the guy Kev, made it through it okay. But Yeah, why would why would he be uh, uh, going down the road of telling you a lie? He could have just said I had a heart attack. Exactly. Well, why introduce this crazy concocted story of yeah, not some likely. man? I, I forget. So, so this guy, Donald Childs, get this too. He's 35 years old when this happens. Wow. So he's literally almost scared to death. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unfreaking believable. Yep. So then what happened? So, so while well, they go back and they talk to him, he was released from the hospital two days after the incident. Um, when questioned about what he had seen, he told a local police officer that his name was Clancy Williams of a tall humanoid creature with hair-covered face and an indescribable collection of clothes on his body. And a couple of the other witnesses, too, said that the creature was wearing pants that were far too small for it. Oh, that is really... Really weird, right? 
Very strange. Kind of like something that transformed, you know, from man into wolf. Well, you remember Lon Chaney. Yeah. You know, he'd always be in some hotel room and he, you know, you'd say, don't pull the curtains open, don't pull them (laughs) open. Then he'd walk over and look. Then he'd start rolling around on the floor. The next thing you know, his upper body was twice as big as it was. His shirt was ripped off. Yeah, ripped out of his shirt, et cetera, right? Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So what happened here? So another man saw this thing, get this, sitting on the railing outside of his second floor apartment. And when it saw him, it jumped to the ground, which was 17 feet below, and ran away. And the man said that it ran on all fours and it had a horribly distorted face and that it had hair all over its face, body and legs. And he said it only wore a pair of pants and it looked like they had been shrunk. Wow. So you have different people now saying this, reporting basically the same thing. Right. And and one of the, you know, this man who saw it up on the balcony and jump off the balcony and like he watched it do that and scamper away, um, it it cuts out the possibility that it could have been like a hoax or something. Because, you know, no no human dressed up like a wolf is going to jump off of a 17 foot tall banister land perfectly, and then run away. On all fours? Yeah. People don't generally run on all fours that well. (laughs) You know, uh, did anybody mention the term, I don't even know if it was really available at that time, the shapeshifter? They talk about it a little bit, but not not much in the articles that I saw. Uh, And the reason I mention that is because there was a lot of... uh, 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 Native American folks out there in Oklahoma. And I'm sure there is uh, talk in their community uh, as well as around the state, you know, to those people who are in the know or even care to talk about it, of the shapeshifter. Yep. You know, anytime you find those tribal peoples, they all seem to be aware of uh, such things, you know, which is not necessarily the case outside of their community, you know. Yep. So uh, that's interesting. The pants thing is so weird. No, because no. So, and, and again, the short instance of this creature. So, like, I think the sighting started on a Thursday night and into Saturday night. And then on Sunday, uh, that, that commander, Major Clarence Hill of the local police, set out with, with kind of like a posse to go and watch and look for this werewolf on Sunday. And... Um, <clears throat> They never saw the monster again and never had any more sightings and reports on it. So it was like a three-day thing. Yeah, with t- lots of witnesses. Multiple people saw it, like, jump, leap from a large uh, height and land okay. And then, of course, chasing cars, chasing people, hiding in bushes, popping out from behind the bushes, stuff like that. Wow, that is freaking um- I mean, think of that for a minute, Kev. Encountering something like that in your own yard. Right. I mean, it's just, uh, you talk about this guy having a heart attack. I mean, it would just make your heart jump. I mean, I've gone out on my deck at night and have a raccoon jump out on me. I almost leapt out of my sneakers. <laughs> you know, you're just not expecting it, oh, yeah. you know? It doesn't, doesn't take much to startle you if you don't know it's there, right? Exactly. And, and then... 
if on top of that, if I got startled by what I thought was a raccoon and then saw it was this thing, I mean, for, I, you'd just like, you'd be, be beside yourself. Right, right. Uh, you know, I mean, that's why, too, I can see why people, even if you had a gun, uh, in the moment, if you got that freaked out, you might be not, you might not be able to think correctly in the moment until your brain has a chance to sort things out. Right. Uh, you know, everybody likes to think they're freaking Superman, where you just your your jaw is like a lantern, and you just turn your steely eyes and like wham, you jump into action. Right. Uh, that might not necessarily be the case, you know. Yeah, and there's a, there's an interesting analysis that's on a website called paranormalworld.fandom.com uh, and about this sighting, and it's pretty interesting. And they, they write that it's interesting to note that this werewolf-like creature was never really described as having like a canine snout or the pointy ears, right? Like Dogman is often... Uh, described as instead yeah. it's it's described as having this grotesque and hairy face and moving a bit like a primate you know kind of like running uh with its on its uh hands and feet you know kind of like an ape would run you know maybe it was some type of uh bigfoot exactly you know and who's to say if a bigfoot after he dispatched somebody uh couldn't try to mimic uh, putting on the guy's trousers. Exactly. You know, I know a lot of people don't like to think about that. But, you know, Kev, when we talk about where's the evidence, and I was talking tongue-in-cheek before about GIs being part of the witnesses. Yeah. Reconsider that fish cannery we were talking about in the last podcast. Yeah, Portlock. Yeah. Portlock. When people say where are the where's the uh, Bigfoot, where are the witnesses, Where's the evidence? If you can't believe that that entire community had a name for the thing, was witness to it, murders and dismemberments had taken place, and they all left in one shot, and it was written about, where's the evidence? How about that for some evidence? Yeah, and by the way, don't forget, they did the same thing like 35 or 40 years earlier. Yeah. You know, they, and, they left the same community because of this uh, Nantanuck uh, hairy man uh, attacking people. Yeah, and they saw it. They knew about it. We already spoke that they had to have had arms. Yeah. I mean, these guys didn't go up there and form this fish cannery in the woods without rifles and shotguns. Oh, no, no. no. And uh, yet, even with arms, they weren't willing to stay. Yeah. So that's... Uh, that's a bit of an eye opener, you know. It's it's almost like you don't think you can kill it before it kills you, you know. Yep, yep. And so this all happened in the winter, uh, in February of 1971, um, in Lawton, Oklahoma, again southwest of Oklahoma City. And we won't talk about it tonight, but there are other sightings of ape-like Bigfoot and stuff like that in Oklahoma around the same time, too. So there's a story about something called the Noxie Monster. Hmm. I don't know if you ever heard of that, Bill, but never. a little bit like Momo, the Missouri okay. Monster, kind of a hairy okay. creature. And that started up in 1975. And uh, that's, I don't know how many miles, but it's kind of northeast of Oklahoma City. In a okay. county called Nowata County, Oklahoma. So not that far away. 
and uh, this this giant though, like ten feet tall, you know, hairy man. So we'll we'll save that for a future episode. Absolutely, but there's some f- uh, some good creature feature going on in Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, ten feet tall. That's a freaking monster. <laughs> Think about that, Kev. Next time you stand out by a basketball hoop and look oh at the my. rim. Can you imagine? No. I can't. Yeah. I mean, it just like, it would flatten me. I mean, I'd have wheels and be trying to run as fast as I can. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, oh, Superman, you're going to hang around. Baloney, a thing that big could just smash you. Goodbye. Yeah. No fight. <laughs> you, you, might, you might get a couple of jabs in and then he'll bite you. By jabs, Jeez. you mean rounds, right? <laughs> well, if you got a gun, there's going to be more than two. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I was talking jabs and like lefts and rights. Oh, okay. But what effect that's going to come no, on something be, 10 feet tall? I don't there. know. <laughs> Maybe like one of them Three Stooges shows where the guy has the hand on Curly's head and he's trying to swing at him and he can't even hit him. Well, yeah, 10 feet <laughs> tall. What are you going to do? Punch him in the knee? <laughs> Kick him in the ankle. Why are you on earth? <laughs> awesome. Oh, that is freaking crazy. Yeah. And all of this stuff kept happened in this town, Lawton? Lawton, Oklahoma. Wow. Do, how big is it? You know, you say a small city. You got any idea how big it is? No, it said in uh, one of the writings that it was the fourth largest city in Oklahoma. So. That's got to be uh, quite a few square miles. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not uh, it's not small by any means. No, and it's funny too that something like this would hang around in a quote city like atmosphere. Who knows? I mean, I know we're not talking about Manhattan here, where everything's concrete. You can't. No, even but find I mean, Bill, this thing could have been demonic as well, right? I mean, yeah, there's no there's no doubt could about have been it. This could like creature could have been something demonic that was conjured up and. Hangs around for a few days and then disappears. Yeah, there's uh, there's definitely uh, uh, rites of conjuring and whatnot that can bring about stuff uh, that can take physical form. Right. So there's there's no doubt about that. You know, right? right. Wow, <clears throat> wow. So I got to follow that up. The huh? Lawton Wolfman. Oh. <laughs> well, <clears throat> you know what. I got something here. You know, when we talk about the ability of uh, Bigfoot to hunt, uh, and not that it's any big deal, right? Any creature knows or has skills in the art of hunting. Right. Uh, but it, it also brings to mind uh, people who have said they have found, you know, like we talk about the tree structures, the large teepee-like oh, yeah. with 20-foot yeah. uh, poles leaning into each other, forming like a teepee. Yep. But many others have said they have located what they believe are blinds. In other words, a simple blind, just like some tree boughs and branches set up like a shield or a screen. Right. And there are those that believe that Bigfoot have set these up, not human beings, and that they use them to just kind of shield themselves or hide behind, oh. uh, which you know makes you think that they have a little bit of uh, a thought capacity anyway about what to do and how to do it. Yeah. And uh, but here we go. This has nothing to do with screens. But as I get into this here, I think uh, you as well as the uh, 
listeners are going to get a charge out of this. Now, this following story was shared with me by a fellow named Roberto Gonzalez, who at the time of this sighting was a resident of Texas. And this is what Roberto had to say. In 2005, I had already been living in Texas for nine years. I was employed by a large ranching firm, and my job consisted of doing just about anything and everything that you could imagine around the ranch. Over the course of my tenure with this firm, the boys and I had been on many a hunt in our leisure time. We had also spent a good deal of time hunting varmints and other critters that attacked livestock and the like. Without telling you where I was at the time, simply because I haven't asked permission to do so, there was a group of men who were making a side living hunting wild hogs for landowners all over the area. In case you are unaware, wild hogs are infesting the entire southern United States, and they are spreading like the plague or like corona. Not only are they doing a tremendous amount of property damage, but in some cases they are beginning to attack humans. Some of these hogs can weigh in at over a thousand pounds and are well capable of killing someone. Now, there was one group of fellas that had asked me during the course of my employment if I was interested in making some good side money, to which I said, absolutely. The side business of which they were speaking was that of hunting wild hogs at night. These guys were so skilled and so well prepared for what they did that they actually were using military-grade night optic helmets and infrared scoped and silenced rifles. I had been out on well over 50 hunts with these boys. And although many of their clients were repeat business, we never really knew where we may end up on the next call. The people who called in for the help were mostly concerned about the hogs coming too close to where they lived and their children played. This was a really big concern, as you would imagine. A hog could charge a child and gash them open with their tusks, and they would eat the flesh and blood if they could. The men trailered in what were basically heavy-duty, modified electric golf carts that could run around without any noise at night. Maybe golf cart is a bad term because these things were more like midget-stomping 4x4s than golf carts. At any rate, we were well into a large tract of land that we had been called into for the fifth time by the landowner. I learned while I was doing this work that hogs multiply at a rate of 20% a year. So if you don't do anything about them, you could quickly have a problem on your hands. There are millions of them in the United States as we speak, and they are growing in numbers at a ridiculous rate annually. Pigs are also known to be one of the smartest animals on the planet, and these hogs are part of that family. While working on many of these properties, we had noticed that the hogs will take advantage of mingling in the area of the cows and the steer. 
They seem to use them as an early warning system for potential incoming predators such as us. Many times as we were scoping out some of the larger hogs we wanted to cull out, the cows would start mooing well before we could get in range and the hogs, sensing danger, would quickly scamper off into the woods. We had to exercise great caution in that we didn't want to arbitrarily shoot a cow passing in front of or behind a hog as we took a shot. It was late Saturday night when we had made our way deep into this 2,000-plus acre piece of land, when we saw a large herd of these hogs running and we stopped. It's not uncommon for a pack of coyotes to try and take down the young or the lame, and we were thinking that this was exactly what was happening. Hence, the herd running. As we were focusing on where the herd had been running from, one of the guys said to the group, If I didn't know any better, it looks to me like there's a large bear tearing into a hog on the ground over there. We all knew there were no bears, and so did he. But we couldn't make any sense out out of what exactly was huddled over this apparent boar on the ground. I was looking intently and saw what I believed was long arms working, working on the fallen hog. It was only moments later what had been crouched over the hog stood to its feet, picking up the mammoth hog and slinging it over its shoulder. This hog had to weigh 300 plus pounds, and it looked like a small dog when this creature picked it up compared to the size of the beast we were looking at. As soon as it stood up, two of the boys said, It's a damn Bigfoot. That's incredible. Bobby said, That's why the herd was running so fast. That big bastard just took one of them out for dinner. We were watching the scenario go down at about 200 yards, so it was difficult to judge the size of the Bigfoot. But we were well-schooled at judging the size of hogs, based on prior experience. The Bigfoot seemed to be, in mass, at least five times as big as the hog. And the way in which it flipped this 300-pound pig on his shoulders was like you or I grabbing a 10-pound sack of spuds. I mean, it just flipped it onto its back and started walking away. We watched it walking for about a hundred yards when Davy said, let's try and follow it. Of course, we didn't know if this Bigfoot knew we were even there, but we knew he was there because we were using night vision and infrared. We kept our distance, but this thing was walking really fast. A couple of times we had temporarily lost sight of him as he passed through some heavy brush and thicket. About 20 minutes later, we could see that he was approaching a thicket where there were two others waiting his return, one being shorter than him and the other being quite small, maybe four or so feet in height. We now knew that this must have been a father out on a hunt and returning with the kill. 
the little one started to jump around like a child having received a present. After a few moments, they all seemed to squat down around the hog, apparently feasting on it. We eased on out of there and at sunup had told the landowner that what we had seen. He was real interested, as you could well imagine, and later that afternoon, we had agreed to meet up and head back to where we had seen them. At about 5 p.m., we made our way into the spot where we had seen them eating. There was a small pack of coyotes gathered around the area. We drove in and spooked them off to expose what was the remains of the hog. As it turns out, what was left wasn't much. And it was the carcass of a much bigger hog than we had anticipated. This hog, before it had been eaten, had to be all of 700 pounds, which is nearing monster size for these creatures. This also meant that the Bigfoot was even stronger and larger than we had thought, judging the size of the hog against what we thought the Bigfoot's size was. More than likely, excuse me, looking now at this hog, I would have to say that the Bigfoot was well over 2,000 pounds and more than likely over 10 feet tall, based on what we had seen the night before. The landowner asked us why we didn't bag it, and to a man, we had no answer. To us, I guess it didn't seem like the right thing to do at the time. We were all just fascinated by the sheer spectacle of seeing this thing. Nobody had even mentioned pulling the trigger or dispatching it when we had the chance. Think about picking up a 700-pound anything and throwing it over your shoulder. If by some chance you can make sense out of that, now think about walking a mile in the brush with that size hog on your back. The sheer strength and endurance of these monsters is incredible. This size hog would have attacked you or I and could have easily killed us. And yet somehow, this Bigfoot was able to take it down in the open field and kill it. I only wish I had been looking in that direction when the takedown had occurred. That would have been truly amazing to watch. Can't imagine. Could you, I mean, a 700-pound boar... And uh, a 2,000-pound Bigfoot. Whoa. Now, Kev, have you ever seen some of these big boar? I haven't seen them uh, up close and personal, but I've seen them at a distance, yeah. And they yeah, are, I've... like, infesting the the southern United States. Yeah, I saw one that I think they nicknamed Godzilla, and they had shot this thing, and the guy was holding it up, like, with the bucket of a backhoe. Yeah. I mean, this thing was, like, ridiculous. Yeah. It was like a freaking Volkswagen Beetle with uh, tusks. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, you have no idea. It had to be 10 feet long, this freaking pig. Yeah. But think about this. These guys thought they were looking at a 300-pound hog being flung over the shoulder. Yeah, I mean, just anything 700 pounds thrown over your shoulder. What the heck? 
Yeah. And and walking a mile? Yeah. Stomping around for a mile, carrying this thing back to the, the den or whatever you want to call it? Yeah. And obviously, when they found the remains, they knew the remains of this particular monster, which they said there was little left. Uh, they could tell based on the skull or the rib cage or sure. whatever was Length there. Length of the thing, yeah. Right. This was a freaking much bigger hog than we saw or we thought we saw. Right. Pretty crazy, though, huh? Oh, that is wild. And then the uh, the little Bigfoot jumping around for joy with the uh, nice... <laughs> Nice, big, happy meal that Dad brought home. <laughs> it is funny, though, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, you, you see things like this happen in the animal kingdom, and uh, they do weird things, you know? Oh, hey. Daddy, you brought me home Hogzilla. <laughs> oh, that was it, Hogzilla. Hogzilla, yeah. Yeah, Hogzilla. <laughs> wow, man. So, you know, think about it, Kev. Uh, talking about taking advantage of what's available, with all of these freaking hogs uh, running around, what a food source for anything that had the ability to attack them. Yep. You know, giant porker out in the field and a big coyote jumps on it, bites it in the neck, and then the other three or four jump on it and start snapping at it, or a Bigfoot, or, a, uh, you know, anything else, right? No, no doubt about it, yeah. Crazy, yeah. Crazy stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. Fast. So, that was Texas, right? Yeah, down the good old state of Texas, With my some friends. Automatic weapons, these souped-up electric four-wheel drive stomping vehicles, <laughs> and night vision. Can't go wrong. Yeah, you got to give it to the old Texas boys for their ingenuity, you know? Hey, we know how to get those hogs. <laughs> he said they were using, like, souped-up golf cars. Yeah. So, you know, it's all electric, kind of quiet. You just step on the pedal and kind of buzz around. <laughs> I mean, you know, what the heck? You know, I mean, it's very ingenious, you know? Sure. Wow. Got to sneak up on those hogs. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's okay driving around your golf car until it comes to a stop and you turn around and the Bigfoot's holding your wheels <laughs> off the ground behind you. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Now Uh-oh. what? Now what? <laughs> well, that's it, Kev. Cool, so what man. do we got tonight? What kind of cool stuff we got from our listeners? Yeah, we got some good listener mail. Uh, first one comes in from Allison in Louisiana. She Louisiana. says, Yeah, she says, you, WJ, and your brother have been shedding a lot of light on some dark days. And I, for one, appreciate that more than you will ever will know. Any more insights on the Rougarou upcoming? Not that I'm not interested in everything else, of course. The show is stupendous and the best that I have found to date. You have no competition as far as I'm concerned, and I have heard them all. Blessings, Allison. Excellent. Kind of freaky, huh, that we're talking about the I know. She's Wolfman got and the Rougarou. And, Rougarou. Yeah, Allison has a, an interest in the Rougarou. I do, well, too, you know, Allison. That thing is a creepy, wolfman-like creature down there in the bayou. Yeah, and you know, uh, Allison, uh, there's a lot, a lot of accounts uh, that we're going to be digging into. And believe me when I tell you, uh, I bring forth these things in a very random manner. I don't really consider 
uh, much of anything before I make a selection on what I'm going to do. Uh, so it's not like I plan, oh, next week I'm going to do the Rougarou, or next week I'm going to try to find a, a large Bigfoot uh, uh, committing a violent act. I don't do any of that. I simply bring them forth in like a lottery format, and we talk about them, you know, and very much the way stories come in, Kev. Oh, yeah, same here, Bill. Like, for me, I, it's... Uh you know, for the cryptids and other oddities, it's kind of either I hear about something that week or or even like some of the letters that come in from our listeners turn me on to something, you know, and I like start checking it out. Or it's just I have a file where I keep track of stuff that I want to look into and I'm looking into it along the way. And then I'm like, all right, let's go to the file. Let's let's see what we're going to do this week. So it's yeah, a, there's yeah. no uh, rhyme or reason to it, really. Yeah, yeah, and that's to me. It's a good thing. It's almost like a live show, in that, uh, uh, like the daily news, right? It's whatever we've come upon. Oh yeah, I mean, I wish, like in a, in a, a simpler world, if we if it was a live show, that would be super cool. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. I think part of why the show is dynamic is that it is live between the two of us, and we're in two different places. You know. Yeah. No, it is a live show recorded. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the way it is. Exactly. You know? And we have nobody writing for us. We have nobody doing anything for us. I know that's uh, hard to believe, people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're both liars. <laughs> WJ and KJ, you're liars. I do have a Labrador retriever that howls once in a while. <laughs> Martha. <laughs> Martha the howling the dog. The dog man. And Kevin. Some fine maid over in Great Britain <laughs> said she liked the way I said bloke. Oh, yeah. We're, so there you have it. We're actually going to go to that letter, Bill. What's that? We're going to go to that letter. All right. Well, have at it, will you, Kev? <laughs> All right. It's from Amanda. Uh-huh. And Amanda writes, hello, KJ and WJ. By the uh-huh. way, Bill, I think it's pretty cool that she said KJ first instead of just WJ and your brother. Oh, you do, do you? <laughs> she says, loving your podcast and your banter. Just wanted to say, have you watched Missing 411, The Hunted? Yeah. Uh, I think it's on Amazon Prime. I think you'll be interested in some of the accounts. I think I've seen one or two of those, Bill. I don't know if you've seen it. Well, I haven't seen any of them, but I've been listening to David Polites, who was the guy that started Missing 411 for probably, I don't even know, 15 years. Ah. Uh, He's been around for a long time. He's a former detective, a real square shooter. Uh, He started out doing a series on missing persons in the national parks. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and if you know the guy and his research and his... Uh, trials and tribulations. Uh, he was met with a lot of resistance that was really unexpected. Uh, when you hear about it, uh, he would think, and I would think, that this information would be in the public domain. But he was met with uh, stiff resistance when he was trying to get numbers on how many people had yeah, gone missing. Yeah, this was like the different bureaus of tourism were kind of. Look, it looked like they were standing in the way because they didn't want the public to know how many people were lost. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and any other facts or details. There had to be investigations, right? Yeah. 
You find a body in the park or somebody comes up missing, there had to be search parties, uh, police involvement, rangers, yeah. who knows? Yeah. And, to, you know, nothing? No, they, yeah, it's true. They, you know, those tourism groups, they don't want people to know how many people go missing. Yeah, no, I, I get it, yeah. you know, but uh, Polites never met the guy. David, I'd love you to call me someday if you got the time and chew the fat. Uh, never met him, but he's my kind of guy when I hear him talk. Awesome, awesome. All right, so back to Amanda. She says, WJ, loving your interpretation of the English accent. Being English myself, it makes me giggle. <laughs> I love the way you just say bloke every time. <laughs> And Amanda says she is currently living near Boulder, Colorado, and have recently started camping. Now, our Uh excuse for camping every weekend is that we are in search of the big hairy guy. Not having my green card yet means I can't get a gun (laughs) license, and so I'm not able to carry more gun than I think I'm going to need. So I guess I'll just stick to having plenty of gun. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) She listened Uh. to the last episode, apparently. Uh, anyway, keep up the great work. <laughs> kind regards, Amanda. Ah, forgive stuff. me. It's always- oh, and then she writes, I forgot about this. So <laughs> she's originally from Devon in the UK. Uh-huh. And she says, P.S. I have a sticker on the side of my car that says, this is a Bigfoot research vehicle. It has definitely started a few conversations where I've recommended your podcast. Ah. Well, thank you, Amanda. Yeah, yeah. Now, Kev- Very nice of you. Yeah, I got back to it, Amanda, and I told her just that. I says, a simple little thing, uh, kind of like you, Kev, with the picture of the decal of Bigfoot on your snowboard. Yep. And the guy on top of the mountain says, hey, do you believe? Yeah. I mean, it's just that easy, right? You were at the boat ramp cleaning the boat up, and you had that thing on your vehicle? Oh, yeah. So Yeah, I got a hairy man on the back window, and then my uh, license plate holder says, Bigfoot. You know he's out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just that easy, you know. If you yeah. breach the subject, uh, you're going to have some people out there that are going to engage you. Yeah, yeah, and, no doubt about it. And by the way, folks, we Kevin and I say all the time: if you've seen something, say something. And if you, he, even if it's not your encounter, if somebody starts going down the path of telling you, uh, like Becca with the prisoner in the back of her squad car, uh, if somebody starts telling you the story of a Bigfoot encounter, really do your diligence to send them our way. Uh, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com, hit the contact button, and uh, give us an opportunity to uh, talk to them and dig into the facts surrounding what happened to them. Yeah. It's awesome. Super cool. All right, we got another uh, email here, Bill, from Trevor. Okay. And uh, Trevor's up in British Columbia, Canada, the hotbed of Harry Man. Okay. And he writes first, hey, guys, first off, great show. Love listening all night at work. You guys are hilarious. <coughs> yeah, we. <laughs> he writes. <laughs> I come to you as a Bigfoot enthusiast, not as a firsthand witness. I live in British Columbia, Canada, around an area called Mission. My aunt, who lives deep in the bush, basically as redneck as you can get, 
had an encounter that I believe could be nothing but the big hairy man himself. Wow. She was out in an area called Cascade Falls, just outside Mission, British Columbia, going down this creek in a kayak that only part of the year this creek has water in it. Casually enjoying her peaceful afternoon with with my uncle and cousin as they float down the creek, probably having a few cold ones, heard a couple of branches snap, getting their attention towards the right side of the creek, went over a line of trees ranging from 15 to 20 feet tall, they see a bowling ball-sized rock come flying over the top of the trees and crash into the water less than five feet from hitting them, leaving all three soaked with a big kaplunk. Wow. Yeah. They were obviously startled beyond belief. They paddled as hard as possible while the entire time having something trailing alongside of them on the hillside. Keep in mind, this is about 10 kilometers into this back trail along a creek where there's not even as much as a service road in sight. This area is about a 25-minute drive from the famous Chehalis River and Harrison Lake. To this day, after being tailed for no longer than a few minutes, they were convinced whatever it was was just trying to scare them out of the area and then left them alone as they as they moved out. That is the last time they've ever gone down that creek, and for no reason will they ever go back down in that area, especially knowing the gun laws, we cannot carry more gun than you think you'll need around here. <laughs> <laughs> Such a big fan of the show. Keep doing what you got what you guys do. Always a riot tuning in, and thanks, Trevor. Well, I didn't even know there were any gun laws up there, Trevor. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shows you what I know. Canada's very anti-gun. Uh, okay. All right. I didn't know. I, you know, I, I find that hard to believe, but in this day and age, nothing. Uh, tell that to the people who discovered Canada. <laughs> I, I wonder if they were anti-gun. Well, they have some. You, I think you can uh, be hunting with guns and stuff like that. They're just, the laws are much stricter. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, whatever. That's you know, I'm just uh, goofing around here, Kev. Of course. When I say, uh, but let me tell you something, Trevor. <laughs> What's standing between you and finding your own damn Bigfoot? <laughs> Why do you rely on somebody else to find one for you? Ah. <laughs> Get up there to Mission and check out that creek. That's I won't right. be with you, though, Trevor. <laughs> Get back in there and find them. We'll be see? here to read the mail when you send it over. <laughs> if you make it to the mailbox. All right. We got one last letter, Bill, <laughs> from Benoit in Paris, France. Ah. Ah, Benoit. Benoit. He says a short note. He says, do you see a link between some UFO sightings and other sightings of the hairy man? Huh. Benoit. Yeah, there's definitely links. I mean, didn't we do that one about the lake up in uh, Northern California? We Kev? did the one that was kind of like beamed down, the Bigfoot beamed down from the uh, the central UFO, right? central beam on the craft coming over that lake. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was a creepy freaking encounter. Yeah. And then with the beams coming down, like it was searching the woods. Remember that? Exactly. Exactly. But that's not the only one. 
There are many, no, no. many encounters involving purported UFOs and well, a Bigfoot. Well, you've talked about it, Bill, before. When you have these Bigfoot sightings where the creature seems to float along the ground. Yeah, what's with you, that? You know, that's kind of something weird, like maybe it's... Uh, some type of alien force that's masking itself as a Bigfoot, or who knows what it is. Yeah, I mean, look, if you can, if you can glide across the ground and not leave any prints, right. and yet to the eye it looks like you're walking. I no, mean, come and on. some of those encounters are in the snow, too, right? Yeah, so, come on, what yeah. else could that be? No tracks in the snow, like, I, come on. Look, if you're going to go with hallucination, okay, then you're saying the person who told the Tory was, uh, story was uh, uh, doped up, uh, doesn't know what he, he or she was looking at. But if I mean, you, the good news is you're probably not going to say that it was a bear in that case. <laughs> <laughs> it probably. Now, if the Bigfoot was wearing tight pants, then what do you say? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. uh, well, that's some excellent stuff, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. So that's good, good stuff. Good letters, folks. Keep them coming in. Keep the ideas coming in, like we were talking about earlier, too, for other uh, podcast uh, episodes. And thanks, everybody, for the great reviews. All those five-star reviews are pouring in, continue to pour in. And if you haven't left a review yet, please do it right now from your favorite podcast player. Again, five stars. It's really important that you keep giving us those five-star reviews because it'll allows it draws more people to the podcast and as we get more people listening to the podcast it further enables bill and i to increase the quality of the podcast so thank you very much for listening keep those reviews coming in five star reviews and uh we really appreciate it yeah excellent kev great job with that uh lawton oklahoma Werewolf man, or whatever the hell that thing was. Yeah, wolf man. Wolf man. What a creepy thing that was, man. <laughs> and we go from there to freaking 700 pound hog slung over the shoulder of a giant Bigfoot. And a little Bigfoot jumping for joy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Papa. Thank you. <laughs> My favorite, uh, giant hog. <laughs> Unbelievable. And folks, while you're hunkered down, maybe not being so careful about what you're doing, just remember one thing. If you go outside for a walk in the woods, would you please always carry more gun than you think you're going to need? Sleep tight.